This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So the December jobs number is out. Hiring slowed, 199,000 non-farm payroll increase in December. And it's basically more or less the same old story we've been telling for the last few quarters, which is modest job growth, wage increases, but not keeping up with inflation. And speaking of inflation, the Eurozone reporting yesterday 5% uh, inflation, again, another uh, recent high. So transitory inflation continues to not be transitory. To uh, distill this information and um, fold in some of what's happening in the markets as well, pleased to be joined by our friend James Perry, who's the Senior Vice President and Partner at Arbor Research. Jim, thanks for being with us again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Good morning. So um, I think we've established long ago, including with our friend Scott Shalady, the cow guy, that uh, the unemployment uh, percentage is a meaningless statistic. Three to drop to 3.9 percent, but again, hiring slowed, 199,000 new jobs. Uh, is there anything in the tea leaves to properly read from those numbers? Um, well, the numbers are skewed and they're not particularly insightful. But uh, I think when you look at these non-farm payroll numbers that come out every month, you really have to look at the trends because there's so many revisions. And I think that if you kind of take a step back and look at where we were before the pandemic hit, you know, we're still sort of something on the order of 6 million, 8 million jobs short of where we were uh, two years ago at this time, January of 2020. Um, the workforce is something like 155 million people. And um, in the last 12 months, Dan, what you get from some of these other surveys, especially uh, earlier in the week, you know, 4.5 million people quit their jobs in November, right? And that's about the pace it's been going. It's a little bit higher than every month, but there's something like 25 or 26 million people quit their jobs in 2021. Um, that's the trend and the trend in the workforce, what you have to kind of look at is say, well, what's been going on for 20 years and what has accelerated it uh, since the pandemic and what has happened is that the labor, uh, workforce, the number of people that are actually working, uh, is, is falling. It's, it's 61% of the working population. Right. But so, why <clears throat> those trends to... are going down. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry for interrupting, but why is it falling? Why did 4.5 million people quit their jobs in November? Just didn't well, want to work anymore? It, Amy. <laughs> Good morning, by the way, Amy. Uh, right. Nice to hear your voice. I hope you're feeling well or better anyway. Thank you. Um, I think that uh, there are a lot of reasons why people are quitting. I think largely people were in jobs that they didn't particularly like, you know, two years ago, and they don't feel like going back. Um, and I think there's a certain wealth effect from people. I mean, everybody's house is up 20% from two years ago or more. Um, and the stock market's up, you know, it's, it's doubled in, in, since the lows in March. So I think people have savings. I think they've got uh, net worth in their homes and in their 401k and their portfolios if they've got any savings. And um, I think people are thinking about being a consultant and working at home and, and, and doing things that doesn't mean going to the office. 
Well, not everybody's home is up 20% year over year. I note that. Um, yeah. In, yeah. Uh, in Illinois. Yeah, the October number, this is remarkable, actually, and it gets almost no attention, uh, except for me. But uh, the median uh, home price increase in the country, October over October, October of 21 over October 20, the median home price increase, 18%. In Illinois, minus 6%. Ooh. For sure, for sure. Count me in on that uh, that category. We're only lagging the nation by a factor of four. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and expect that to continue, by the way. Well, and this is what, uh, and just to, to get in the real estate market, let's, we can segment this a little bit. This is what um, Zillow is reporting as well, that, uh, you know, in terms of what they predict to be the hot housing markets in 2022. And, you know, you won't be surprised that they're located in places like Florida and Texas. And they are talking about a continued cooling off as if it could get cooler in places like New York, San Francisco, and Chicago. Correct. Correct. That and trend so, is with us and is going to continue. And so so what does that mean, both on the residential side and then now layer in something I talked about earlier this week with Steve Moore, the commercial real estate vacancy rates in big cities, uh, the Class A office space, uh, you put 18% vacancy rate in Manhattan, and 25, 30 percent in New York and uh, excuse me, in D.C., in San Francisco, in Chicago, in Houston. Right. Right. I mean, I think that um, there's a lot of statistics and, and a lot of it's easily misread. But, you know, again, the trends are that if you're in an urban center in a high tax uh, city like Chicago, you'll see that. Um, Commuter traffic is down substantially, um, metro rail and the subway and the buses. But the highways going into Chicago from sort of, you know, around O'Hare and in, uh, they're packed every day. So everybody's driving their cars to Chicago. And once you get down into Chicago, it's empty, right? So right. Um, the commercial real estate space in the city of Chicago, which I know better than New York and, and San Francisco, um, is in trouble. And I think that... Um, uh, there will be there will be significant challenges for commercial real estate owners to continue to service their debt, and I think that this is one of the reasons the bond market is still in pretty good shape here, and the stock market looks like it's going to try to flounder. Well, I think for- what's happening is that the Powell Fed has had to talk tough on inflation because the approval ratings of the administration are falling. And the number one reason for it is the higher prices that the average guy is paying for food and energy. And that is a very big deal because it reduces disposable income. So he's talking really tough on inflation. The market's pricing in an 80% chance of a rate hike in March and four, three or four rate hikes over the next 12 to 15 months. Um, Yet, Long bonds are still at, you know, two, 210, right? They're, and and ten, uh, five-year notes are at 1.5%. So, uh, and the inflation-linked bond market is, is underperforming nominal. So this is really a story about real yields and the Fed starting to reduce stimulus at a time when the economy is slowing. And there are huge portions of the economy that are underperforming massively. And I think that if you get a rate increase of some kind, you're going to see... The pr- 
premiums in real estate and the stock market come down because consumer demand is falling in the face of higher prices and wages not keeping up with those price increases. So you're getting disposable incomes, which are falling. People don't have disposable income. And over the last uh, couple of days, we've seen a pretty significant sell-off in tech. And I wonder if we're on the cusp with all of those other variables you mentioned and the, remo- and the mm. removal of the, uh, the candy from Jay Powell and the Fed, if we're on the cusp of that uh, 20, 25, 30% correction in the market that uh, so many uh, financial analysts have been predicting for about the last three quarters. Right. Well, you're already getting it, really. I mean, you know, 35% of the total return in the S&P 500 in the last 12 months has come from five stocks, right? And there's something like 50%, 40% of the S&P 500, um, stocks, uh, 50% of the NASDAQ has come down about 40%, right? So all of these sort of story dust fairy stocks that are making money, either the high beta stocks, uh, they're getting killed. Rivian being a classic example, right? This stock is making another low today at 87. And reason for it, it's, it's got a $100 billion market cap with no revenue. So people are already selling stocks that they're worried uh, that are in the tech space with no earnings. And just back to your point on technology, you know, the big cap tech stocks are what they call uh, long duration assets. And that means that the cash flows of those companies are being priced in for five and 10 and 15 years from now as the cloud continues to expand. So when the duration, high duration tech stocks are overvalued, they get hit the hardest because you have to discount those future cash flows with the higher cost of capital. Mm-hmm. And I think that right now, the stock market is vulnerable to kind of a price earnings multiple contraction because the, uh, the forecasts for cheap money are gone. You've got a Fed here. You've got a Fed chairman. Powell is an inflation fighter right now. And whether whether inflation is transitory or not, the fact is that he is going to force rates higher by reducing his bond purchases, and that's going to put pressure on the stock market. That's his idea. His balance will be do it enough so you don't get smacked too hard and throw yourself into a recession quicker than you're already going to have one, because we will. So uh, we've also seen Bitcoin get hammered uh, this week. Um, it's down just north of $40,000 last time I checked. Um, right. And you, had an interesting, you had an interesting piece on um, for your subscribers about Bitcoin and trying to sort of understand what it is as an asset. So if uh, if the stock market... Uh, is looking for that contraction, looking to a contraction that you described. Uh, and um, h- how are we to understand cryptocurrency for those that may, you know, t- last year t- t- sort of started to wade in a little bit and devote a few points in their portfolio to crypto? Is that still right. going to be a safe haven? Is that going to be uh, something that runs counter to any sort of market contraction? Or is it going to run uh in parallel right i don't think bitcoin's a safe haven um i don't think it's a hedge against anything um i own some i've owned some for a long time i i own it because i want to follow it and learn more about it and the more i study it and read about it which is every day what it comes to me is that you know bitcoin isn't a currency or a gold hedge or anything like that bitcoin is 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 a 
software company, right? I mean, you earn Bitcoins by processing information on the blockchain, right? And the blockchain is growing exponentially. So the blockchain is going to be with us forever, and it's going to be ubiquitous, and it's going to save a lot of money, and it's very deflationary. The people get paid in Bitcoins for processing information on the blockchain. And, you know, so in that regard, it's kind of like a Microsoft, you know? I mean, Bitcoin is a software company, and to buy a Bitcoin as a, a hedge against inflation doesn't make any sense to me. And to buy it as a safe haven against the depreciating currency doesn't make any sense to me because we'd be better off buying Microsoft, right? So right, I think but... it's greatly misunderstood. Then what's, what, why are all these Bitcoin kiosk machines popping up everywhere, gas stations and convenience stores? What's that all about? Well, I think... To my point about the blockchain is, you know, small businesses are the ones that are getting hurt the most, right, in this pre or post-pandemic reopening. They're, they're faced with increased costs in materials and in labor. So if they can do uh, anything that allows technology to help them reduce their costs in delivering their product or service, they're all for it. So if they can have somebody come in and buy their product uh, on an app, and pay for that product on an app before they get in there, all they have to do is pick up that product or service and go. So a Bitcoin fiat allows people, allows small businesses especially, to reduce the cost of making a transaction, right? So I think it's, it's about cost cutting. But but on, but by the same token, it, it seems that Bitcoin is here to stay, and I, and I uh, certainly the underlying blockchain technology is. This week... Um, BTCS announced they're going to pay corporate dividends in Bitcoin. They're calling it a, which is NASDAQ listed, by the way, BTCS. They're calling it a yeah. uh, dividend. Um, and so there's a belief among the, you know, the crypto nerds that this is more evidence that Bitcoin is inevitable. Maybe that's true. But if it's like Microsoft, which stock price is uh, a little north of 300 bucks, uh, it may be inevitable, but may not be trading at $40,000. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, if you look at the, the 2008 and 2009 downtrade in technology and the 2000 downtrades, I mean, you know, Amazon at the time was something like 150 bucks a share and it went to 10, you know? I mean, you could have these big cap tech stocks come down a huge amount. Um, and Bitcoin could come down 50% too because you don't really know what it's worth. You know, I own it. I'm glad I own it. I'm glad I'm watching it. But it could it could go to a hundred, or it could go to twenty thousand. You know, I just I don't know. I don't think well, anybody it, knows. If it if it's if it's more like a software company, and and you know, again, the the technology that uh, undergirds it, that blockchain technology, is the real value. Then are there other cryptocurrencies uh, that you're watching? that have more upside potential because they're going to be able to leverage this technology to do more things than Bitcoin does. Uh, you know, they're, you know, right. uh, like, like, you know, Microsoft gets displaced by competitors. Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the early days of the sort of, uh, you know, mini computer, you know, we, we didn't know Apple was going to emerge as the company that made the most smartphones, right? There's a lot of companies out there that were making small things and, I think somebody and, and one particular or two or three particular 
technologies in the crypto space will be dominant. Uh, I'm just not sure it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or any one of them. I just, I'm not an expert on this stuff. I don't mm -hmm. know enough about it. I do know that the technology is changing so quickly. And with the use of artificial intelligence, these systems, these software programs that helps uh, the, the processing of, of blockchain uh, transactions is getting better and better and better. So it's coming. Uh, I just don't know which cryptocurrency or which platform is going to be the one that emerges as the, as the Apple, you know, in 10 years from now, like Apple did from 10 years previous to now, you know? Well, if there's, if, if there's concerns about crypto and there's concerns about a market contraction and the real estate market, at least in uh, some regions, big regions of the country, is going to cool off significantly, uh, where should people be thinking about uh, putting their money? Are we just uh, supposed to buy used cars and cargo containers? Right. Uh, that's a very good question. I get asked that all of the time. And I think that uh, if you look from the standpoint of a, of a wealth manager who's got a portfolio that you know is balanced between stocks and bonds, that sort of traditional 60-40 mix between stocks and bonds, uh, I have one of those. And uh, right now, I'm 30% invested in the stock market versus 60, right? And I've got that mix between the S&P 500 and, and the, the NASDAQ 100 QQQs, less financials, right? I still think that technology space is going to be a good one. And if it gets to go down 15 or 20%, I'm going to buy some more. Mm -hmm. But I'm 30% cash. And to be honest with you, you know, a lot of people, a lot of your viewers might disagree with this, but I think long treasury bonds are a really cheap investment here at 2%. Real rates are negative all over the world, Japan, Europe, and here. And if the Fed is going to try to reduce uh, the negativeness of real rates, which is what Fed uh, Powell is doing, then, you know, nominal bonds are trading better than inflation-linked bonds right now. The 30-year Treasury uh, from October 25th to the end of the year returned 4.5% total return, which was more than double the amount of index-linked bonds at the same period of time, right? So I think now that we've had a little pullback in bonds, and I'm not sure how cheap they're going to get here, but it seems to me that by having a, a balance between a long treasury portfolio and a, uh, an S&P uh, technology sort of uh, concentrated equity portfolio is probably the best barbell approach to seeing the multiple expansion in broader stock markets come down. I think there's a lot of other things in the economy that can get hurt. This Omicron deal is going to slow us down again. I mean, I don't know how much traveling you do, but, you know, airplane tickets are really cheap again here. My, uh, my son just came down from Chicago the other day and he paid 40 bucks for his flight. Wow. And, you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, it was 400. So, mm. And I was telling Quinn earlier, these cruise ships that go past South Point here, I see them every day when I'm running in the afternoon and, and they're empty, man. So the travel and leisure sector and the fact that demand, again, GDP is two-thirds consumer spending. And if taxes are going up and food prices are going up and gasoline prices are going up, disposable income at the household level is falling, and that means GDP is going to fall. So right. Q1, Q2 GDP probably back down to trend growth pre-pandemic, which is kind of 2%, right? All right? And if you're going to get a GDP growth number of 
then your inflation numbers are going to come from whatever they are, 4.5% back down to trend growth pretty quick here, too. This is what the market is telling you right now. All right. Good time to uh, book a flight to Florida and get on a cruise ship around the world and come back in 2023 <laughs> and see if it's any better. Uh, Jim Perry, exactly. Senior Vice President, Partner at Arbor Research. Instructive as always. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Sean Thompson here to tell you about an incredible cost-saving opportunity you should consider for